Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, today we're going to bring to a close our series called I'm Serious. And today I want to talk to you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit because I believe we need to get serious about walking full of God's Holy Spirit. Amen? Ephesians 5.18 says this. There are notes in your bulletin. You can take notes on the app and follow along or just follow along. It says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery means an excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. How many of you, you, before you met Jesus, you indulged in sensual pleasures? And how many know one of the reasons you're sitting here today is because that road did not lead you where you thought it would? Yeah, sin always takes you further and does far more destruction than you ever intended it to. Instead, everybody say instead. There's another option. There's an option to be filled with something of which there is no regret. Woo! Be filled with the Spirit. And that's the invitation today. Is there anybody in the house that says, if God has something to fill me with, I want to go to his filling station. I've been to the world's filling station, and it left me empty. I'm going to go with the Lord. Amen? Now notice... Prior to Jesus starting his ministry, there were some announcements about who Jesus would be. Here's one of them. It says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. This was an angel's words to, um, to, to not to Mary, to um, Joseph, thank you, because he will save his people from their sins. So it was plain that Jesus would be a savior. Is anybody in the house happy that Jesus came to save you from your sins. Amen. He is a mighty Savior. He's given you a brand new life. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from... Everybody shout out those last two words. So we know Jesus came to be a Savior. But John the Baptist proclaims something else about why Jesus was coming. He said this, and this was his, John's message. After me will come one more powerful than I am. Who's he talking about? Jesus. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So think about this. Jesus the Savior comes in and cleans you out Jesus, the baptizer, comes in and fills you up. Oh, you didn't get that. Come on. Jesus, the Savior, comes in and he cleans you out. Thank God. Feels good to get some of that junk out of me. But he didn't save you to leave you empty. Jesus, the baptizer, comes to fill you up with the Holy Spirit. This was so important to Jesus that even though his heart was for the disciples to take the word All over the world, he told them something they needed to do before they went into all the world. Some of those words are seen here. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Here's the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. 
And now I send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus said, I'm sending you out there, but before you go, I want you to be filled up and empowered before you go. He reiterated that in his final words before he ascended up in heaven. He said to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now here's a question. So Jesus told the disciples, go tarry in Jerusalem, go wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes. Did they, did they obey that? After Jesus ascended, did they go? Many believe that the disciples went back to the upper room. How many was there? Acts 1.15 tells them there was a group numbering about how many? 120. So the 120 are in the upper room, and what are they doing? They're waiting. They're waiting for what? They're waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. How long did they wait? Let's figure it out, all right? So Jesus died on Passover. From Passover to Pentecost, is 50 days, okay? So Jesus died on Passover. He rose again three days later. He appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, then he ascended. So three days between death and resurrection, 40 days, that's 43. He tells them to go wait until Pentecost, that's 50. 50 minus 43 is? Everybody said seven, good. I was going to send you back to second grade if you said six or eight. All right, here we go. All right, listen. So they're waiting. This is interesting. Seven days is a long time to wait. Some of you, if I said, we're going to pray for the next 15 minutes, you'd be done in two minutes. Seven days. They, they are waiting, and they are tearing. All right, catch up on some answers here. They waited in the upper room for seven days. I want to relate that to what recently happened at Asbury College. If you didn't catch the news, there was, a, there was a move of God at Asbury College that has now spread to other colleges. And what started out as a 10 a.m. morning chapel went two weeks continuously around the clock. And students would go in there for hours on end. What would cause a person to sit in church for hours? Yeah, the, the Lord, can, can I just tell you, there's a place in the presence of God where time loses its importance. The problem with our culture is we are, and, and listen, I'm as, ask, ask my wife, I, am, I run by the clock. I am somebody, you know, I gotta be here, I gotta be there, I can do it. But Lord, help us not to be in such a hurry that we miss those moments when we just need to hang around a little longer to receive from God what we need. Come on, somebody. Help us not to be on such a time clock. True story. The church I grew up in, listen, it was supposed to be done, if I remember right, at like 12 o'clock, and I remember there was a man, if that service didn't end exactly at 12, he would get up and walk out like in protest. What would have happened if the disciples after day five said, well, I know Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, but we, we've been waiting five days. Maybe it's not gonna happen. What if they'd have walked out after five days? Yeah, somebody said it. They would have missed it. 
You see, the problem is, many of you, many of us, have no problem watching a two-hour movie, a three-hour football game, spending four hours on the golf course, but spending 15 minutes with Jesus. Psalm 37, 7 says this, be still before the Lord and wait, help me church, patiently for him. So while the disciples were in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit, Jerusalem is filling up with visitors because the day of Pentecost is nearing. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast and many Jews live outside of Jerusalem, but they would converge on Jerusalem for feast days. So while they're up there waiting, praying, testifying, Jerusalem is filling up with visitors. And suddenly, Acts 2 tells us what happened. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, how many? About 120, we're all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. How many of you know if you heard the freight train of a tornado, heard the sound of it, it'd get your attention? Suddenly, the disciples are looking at each other. I think something is about to happen. Then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to reach on them. Hey, Peter, you got a fire coming out of your head. Peter says, Philip, so do you. All of them. Somebody say all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so what was the evidence that they were filled? The evidence was they all spoke in other tongues. He said, Pastor, that's my problem. I want everything God has for me. But what about that tongue stuff? That's a little strange. Can I help somebody for a moment? Part of our problem is we want what God has for us, but we want to tell God how he has to give it to us. Lord, I want the power, but could I bypass that tongue thing? That's just a a little strange You see, you can have it your way at Burger King, but when it comes to receiving what God has for you, it's going to be his way. And isn't it interesting that he uses that part of our body that is the hardest to control and perhaps the hardest to surrender? It has to get into his hands if you want the precious Holy Spirit. Remember when Naaman the leper came to see Elisha? Naaman, uh, if I remember right, was from Syria. And he heard that God was moving in Israel. And he he was a commander in the army of of Syria. And he came over to meet with Elisha. And and he had had it all figured out was going to happen. He was going to knock on Elisha's door. Elisha was going to come out and, you know, pray over him. And and God was going to heal him. Did it work that way? No. Elisha never even came out, sent a servant. Servant says, go dip in the Jordan seven times. You'll be healed. Elisha, he complains. He's like, that's not how I want it. I didn't get to meet the guy. In the Jordan River, we, we have rivers back in Syria. A lot nicer than the Jordan. And, and, and Naaman's servants said, well, hey, wait a minute. Didn't you come over here to get healed? Didn't the man of God tell you what to do? Why don't you just go dip in that muddy river and just see what happens? So they talked some sense into him. He obeyed. And he came out of the water healed. Come on, somebody. And the same thing happens when you just say, Lord, I'm so hungry. I don't care. 
I don't care what I got to do. As long as it's in the Bible, I'm willing to do it. James 4.10 says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And what will God do? He will lift you up. So, Pastor, and in this message, I'm trying to erase a lot of objections that people have when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So stick with me. See, Pastor, I've heard people speak in tongues. Maybe, maybe you were sitting next to somebody in church and, and they began to worship in tongues. And you said, you know, it didn't really even sound like a language. It, it kind of sounds like gibberish. What's up with that? Well, here's what the Bible says. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. What does that tell you about it being an earthly language? Now, I know on the, on the day of Pentecost, it was a unique miracle, but in general, it's not a language for men. It's a language for God. A person who speaks in tongue utters mysteries with his spirit. And you know something really cool about speaking in tongues? Say what, pastor? What's really cool is when you speak in tongues, the devil does not know what you're saying. It's like a hotline, and you say, well, I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, but God does. You're saying mysteries in the spirit, and it's like a hotline to God. How many know sometimes you don't even know what to pray for, and your spirit can pray through your prayer language, and the devil's like, what's he saying? And he don't need to know. Come on, somebody. As Gerald Mayhem would say, devil, take that. Amen. Amen. See, I'm grateful. Listen, I'm grateful. And by the way, Go, go see the Jesus Revolution. It really ministered to me because I'm a product of, of what happened in that movie. I was, I was towards the end. I got saved in 1979. That happened around 1970 or so, but I was towards the tail end of that. But I am grateful that a month after I got saved, I went to a Jesus festival, which was an outcome of the Jesus movement. And there the invitation was, was to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful that I was young enough in the Lord that I didn't outthink it. What's this? What's that? I got to know about that. I looked at my friend Annie. I said, what's the baptism? She said, you need it. I need it. And I got prayed for. And I surrendered my tongue. And I began to speak in a language that I never knew before. Come on, somebody. I'm grateful that I didn't talk myself out of it. You say, but I, Pastor, I, I once attended a church that said speaking in tongues came from the devil. Okay, let's follow that thought process through. So all the disciples spoke in tongues. So in order to follow that principle through, you're gonna say what they received was from the devil. That's a problem. Matter of fact, this verse, listen to this. Which of you fathers, this is Jesus talking, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if you're asking in sincerity to be filled with the Holy Spirit, according to this verse, what's the Father gonna give you? Yeah, the devil's not gonna sneak in a, slip, a, a quick one at that moment. Come on, somebody. God is gonna honor your sincere heart. Amen? Pastor, I, I attended a church that told me that speaking in tongues was only for the early church, that we don't need it anymore. It stopped when the apostles died. I'm, I'm so glad the Bible has the answers to all these things. Now let, me, let me get you to the point where I can answer that question. So the apostles in the day of Pentecost, 120, were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues, and it's 9 in the morning, and it's kind of noisy, and there's a lot of people in town, so people are gathering. What's going on up there? Maybe some of them even spill out on the street. I don't know, but a, a large crowd gathers. Peter stands up and tells them, hey, Jesus, he came, he died. Now he's pouring out his spirit. And the people say, what should we do? 
what should, how should we respond to this? And here's what Peter said to the crowd. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, get saved, get baptized, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about? He's talking about what they had just received. The promise, now he's gonna tell them how, good this, how long this is good for. The promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. Woo, that's me. That's you. Notice he could have said this promise is for the next 40 years. This promise is a limited time offer. He didn't say that. He was very clear. For all whom the Lord will God will call. What he's talking about? Well, when you got saved, God called you. He put a tug on you and you responded, right? So if God put a tug on you and you responded, then the promise of the Holy Spirit is yours. It's a gift from God. Okay, what did you do to earn salvation? Nothing, you received it. What do you do to earn the gift of the Holy Spirit? Nothing if it's a gift. You just come and get it, amen? Now, about 10 years after the day of Pentecost, I'm making this point to see that this, this went through the book of Acts. It wasn't just a one-time event. About 10 years after the day of Pentecost, Peter found himself at Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a Gentile. Cornelius had invited all of his Gentile friends into his house. And Peter stood in front of them and presented Christ. And this is what happened. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, this was a unique miracle because they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, like just bang, bang. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Now, how did they know the gift had been poured out? For they heard them, helping, help me, speaking in tongues and praising God. And then about 24 years after the disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit, Paul arrives in Ephesus. Let's talk about that story for just a minute. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the, the road to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now let me clarify this. When you got saved, all of you received the Holy Spirit. He came to dwell in you. What Paul is asking them, did you receive the baptism, the overflow, the gift of power when you believed? They replied, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That was me at that Jesus festival. What's a baptism in the Holy Spirit, Annie? I don't have time to explain. You need it. Okay. Here's what happened. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied there were about 12 men in all. Day of Pentecost, 10 years later, 20 some years later. How long does this go on? For you, your children, and all who are afar off until Jesus comes. We won't, we won't need to speak in tongues in heaven because we'll, we'll have perfect communication with God at that moment. But until then, are you listening? How many of you remember this guy that was here at Eastern about seven weeks ago, Christopher. How many of you were here when Pastor Krista Alam was here? We had a powerful service. How many of you remember him? Talked about the power of the cross, all right? Well, I have a report from him um, from last Sunday. He was in a village in Asia at an undisclosed location because it was dangerous where he was. But last Sunday, he preached his final message at this location. He has since moved on. But let me just read to you the report, all right? Tonight was our last night. That's, that's at the set location. 
I preached on the blood of Jesus and God's power came down in an extraordinary manner as it always does when we preach about the precious blood of our Lord Jesus. Several people came under deep conviction and they were weeping and crying out to God very loudly in anguished voices for the salvation of their souls. Many people gave their lives to the Lord Jesus and many were healed. Deaf ears were open. Two girls who had large tumors growing on their necks testified that their tumors had disappeared. Many others testified of being healed from different kinds of infirmities and diseases. After that, I prayed for people to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. As the power of God came down, the people began to pray in other tongues. Think about it. These are brand new believers. These are people who just gave their hearts to Jesus. And Pastor Alam says, look, not only did Jesus come to save you, He came to baptize you. Then demon-possessed people began to fall on the ground, screaming as the devils came out of them. Such is the wonderful power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All this is part of God's promise. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Let me give you a little history. Just, just I, won't, I won't be long. We doing all right? Okay. So about the turn of the century, God began to move different places in the world. One of the central focuses became this place called Azusa Street in California. A man by the name of William Seymour, an African-American man, went to California and began to preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They ended up in this building, which was once a stable. It was a a mixed congregation, which was very unusual in the early 1900s. There was only 30 to 50 of them, but God began to move in a powerful way that people from all over the world began to come to Azusa Street. And you'd walk into Azusa Street. Most of the times, William Seymour had his head buried under under like a a wooden box just down there praying. The people come in there not knowing what to expect, and in the presence of God, God would, God would empty them. Listen, how many know even though you've been cleaned out by Jesus, sometimes we still carry some baggage. And in the strong presence of God, God would empty them out. And then he'd fill them up. And they'd speak in tongues, and God would do a marvelous work. And people went back to their denominational churches and said to their pastor, Pastor, this is glorious. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the pastor said, you won't bring that into this church. So these newly baptized in the spirit people didn't have a place to worship, so they began to gather on their own and form independent Pentecostal churches. And there was concern that these churches needed to fellowship with one another. So in 1914, about 300 of these Pentecostals met in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And they did not want to form a denomination because they just got kicked out of theirs but they wanted to form a fellowship of churches. And after several days of praying and fasting and seeking God, the Assemblies of God was formed. In 1914, there were 300. You just saw the picture. Today, there are now 70 million people that call an Assemblies of God church. How could it happen that fast? Look, most denominations are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. We're we're like 120 years old. Why? Because God said he'd pour out his spirit in the last days. Come on, somebody. You see, Pastor, once, once I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, 
How is it useful? Well, Paul tells us. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but don't, I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I'll pray in tongues, and I'll pray in the words I understand. I'll sing in the spirit, and I'll also sing in words I understand. What that means to me in a practical sense, uh, I spend a good bit amount of my time praying for what I know to pray for. I have a book with a lot of needs in it. I work my way through that. I pray for you all. I pray for government leaders. pray for a lot of people. But there's times I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. And God has given me a gift. My prayer language that is direct communication that my spirit is praying the perfect will of God to the Father. It's just so powerful. There's times when I'm praising. Happened to me standing right here. I was just caught up. I mean, how many times can you say, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. And, and, and God has given me a, a gift to, that I, I can just begin to praise him in that prayer language. Come on, somebody. How many of you are grateful for the prayer language God has given you? Wave your hand to me if you use that in your personal prayer time. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Jesus is a Savior. Do we need that? And he's a baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Do we need that? Do you think if Jesus said to his disciples, I, want you, I don't want you going out there till you receive power from on high, do you think in this crazy day and age that we live in, we might need some of that same power? Yeah. Come on, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. Worship team, come, get ready. I'm gonna ask if you are on our uh, prayer team to pray for people. I want you to get out of your seat and come on down here. Leave the middle open, but get on both sides. And, and may need more than five of you. May, may need more like six of you on each side for today. Maybe even seven. Come on, just get ready. Get ready. Thank you, Lord. Come on, bow your heads for a moment, church. Listen, if you're here today, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I believe God brought you here today so that today could be the day that you cry out to Jesus. And what's going to happen when you cry out to him? He's going to hear your cry. He's going to wash you clean. He's going to breathe your new, his new life inside of you. And you will be what the Bible calls a brand new creation. If you need that today, when I release people to come, I want you to get out of your seat and come to one of these and just say to them, I need to receive Jesus. They're going to lead you in a prayer. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you want to be, I want you to come to one of these who are standing here. They're going to pray for you. If you just want more, I want you to come out of your seat and just come to the middle section. Come on, move right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There is a gift from on high that you can receive today. There was a lady in the early service. She came down here, didn't know a lot about it, but hands were laid on her. She had a big smile on her face when the service was on. Come on, the, the open, invitation is open right now, even just for more. Come to this middle section. Come. Jesus said, come. All to me, you are hungry and thirsty, and I'll give you something to drink. Maybe you've been filled, but you say, Pastor, I just want more. Now's the time I want you to come. I want you to come. Well, what's Jesus telling you to do right now? Is he telling you to stand still or is he telling you to move? Just, just follow that prompt. If you need to move, move. See, I don't, know, I don't know if I know enough about it. I didn't know anything about it and God filled me. Jesus. Jesus. 